coming up, looking at some free agent pictures, pictures, not pictures, that the D-backs should keep their eyes on this free agency period because it's officially free agency. And then, like we're Carson Kelly, we're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the best case scenario for Christian Walker from this past season and entering 2023 on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. You are Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked on Dimebacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. I'm Miller Thomas, host of this wonderful podcast. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. I'm there you can see a you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account. Or just look up Locked on Dimebacks on Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. And also, please tell your friends to subscribe to Locked on Diamondbacks on YouTube. We are getting so close to the 200 subscriber mark, so please go follow Locked on Diamondbacks on YouTube. But on today's pod, like yesterday, we're going to do a little player review on Christian Walker, break down the good and the bad from 2022 before discussing his best case and worst case scenario in 2023. But before we get there... Last Friday, we were looking at an MLB.com article for the best free agents entering this offseason. And with free agency officially beginning, I figured let's go back to that list and look at some of those players that are listed as the best free agents and see who should the D-backs keep their eyes on. Because we did a part one on Friday. We were only through the honorable mentions. And through those honorable mentions, we only looked at catcher, infielder, outfielder. DH and utility. So today we're going to be looking at the honorable mention starting pitchers via, let me make sure I get the MLB.com writer correct, Anthony Castro Vince. So let's look at the honorable mentions he has for starting pitchers because he has a whole bunch here. And we're only going to talk about a few. We'll save the rest probably for Monday's podcast. But this is Free Agent Friday. Part two, I had to remind myself that you guys are listening to this on Friday because I'm recording on Thursday. So this is Free Agent Friday, part two edition. So the starting pitchers under the honorable mention edition of this MLB.com article, Carlos Carrasco, who could take off this list now because I believe the Mets exercised his option today. Mike Clevenger, Johnny Cueto, Zach, da- Zach Davies, our guy, Zach Eflin, Kyle Gibson, Granke, Andrew Haney, Corey Kluber, Jordan Lyle. I didn't check in on his club option. Sean Manaya, Jose Quintana, Ross Stripling, Noah Syndergaard, Michael Walker, Adam Wainwright, and Taiwan Walker. And we're only going to be talking about a few of these pitchers today. And the first guy I want to start with is Mike Clevenger because for most of these pitchers, I don't think I would be against the D-backs bringing in. I think it all depends on price. So for most of these guys, if the D-backs could bring them in around $5 million, I don't think that would be crazy. And for a guy like Mike Clevenger, I I think he would be someone that would be interested in. Now, when I say interested in these guys, it's like as a back-end rotation guy, 
you trade or or like a replacement for Madison Bumgarner if the D-backs are somehow able to get rid of Madison Bumgarner's contract because there's been discussion that the D-backs are looking to try and move Mad Bum and maybe willing to pay some of that down payment of his salary. So they were able to get Madison Bumgarner off their books, then I would be very interested in bringing one of these veteran starters to help even out this rotation and be like a stabilizing force. And then you mix in the Dre Jamison and the Ryan Nelsons of the world as well. So for... Mike Clevenger, he's someone that had a low fours ERA this past season, 115 innings pitch, only 7.2 strikeouts per nine, but I don't think he's a bad pitcher, and it wasn't too long ago he looked like a potential Cy Young, you know, a Cy Young candidate year after year from 2017 to 2020. He was basically a low threes kind of a pitcher. Like, he was basically between a a 2.7 of 3.11 for four straight seasons. Then he missed the entire 2021 season with injury. So this past year was his first year back after injury. And I wonder, maybe his numbers weren't as good this past season because it was his first year back after injury. And maybe being an extra year removed from injury, having this past season to recuperate, build that arm strength up again. I wonder if he's actually going to be primed for a breakout comeback season in 2023, however you want to call it. So I would be interested in Mike Clevenger because I think his value is kind of low right now. I don't think he would be an expensive option. And whether the D-backs get off Mad Bum or not, I still would like to Think about Mike Clevenger as maybe a fifth starter for this D-backs rotation. Uh, you know, maybe a fourth starter because Matt Bum should be the number five starter, right? So maybe a number three or four starter if Mike Clevenger could get back to where he was from 2017 to 2020. I think that's a great addition to this team. So I'm in on Mike Clevenger, a guy that could still was throwing around 94 miles an hour on his fastball, slider, sinker ball pitcher as well. So I think Mike Clevenger is a pretty interesting guy, and I would not be opposed to bringing him in. Like his hard contact stats this past year were not the greatest. I will admit that. But I do think he can improve in those areas because right before he got hurt in 2020 was his best season yet with those hard contact stats. And his batting average on balls in play this past year was 250, the best mark of his career. So I think there could be room for improvement with a Mike Clevenger. And I don't think he's I, I don't think he's washed. And I still think he's got a bunch in the tank because he's going to be turning 32 years old. So this is not someone that's like extremely old or anything like that. Still feel like he's pretty fresh. He came into the league at 25, missed the whole 2021 season. This guy doesn't have a ton of mileage on his arm. So I'm definitely down to take a flyer on Mike Clevenger. The next guy on the list I want to talk about is Johnny Cueto. And he's a little bit different because at least Mike Clevenger, um, before injury, we saw a pretty... Good run of dominance, still not too old as well. For Johnny Cueto, he was good this past season. He was solid last year for the Giants, but the two years previous with the Giants, he was not very good. And he's also someone that's kind of old, like he's going to be turning 37, so he's actually very old. And even though his ERA was good this past season, 3.35, only 5.8 strikeouts per nine. And I feel like some of the underlying numbers tell you that it might have been the ERA is better than what the actual production was for Johnny Cueto. That's what I'm afraid of. Some of the expected stats for Johnny Cueto aren't the best. His FIP was still pretty good, 379, so you'd like to see that. But for Johnny Cueto, only a 15.7% strikeout rate. Um, that's not great. The hard contact given up, like solid, nothing crazy. 
But you look at his BABIP the last three years, not very good. 284 in 2020, 336 BABIP in 2021. Then this past season, 296 BABIP, which is pretty high. So for Johnny Cueto, he's someone that had to reinvent himself as he's gotten older, of course, like most veteran pitchers. He definitely leans more into the sinker ball, tries to be more of a ground ball pitcher. His fastball is now his fourth most used pitch because he's lost a you know two to three miles per hour off that velocity. So for Johnny Cueto, I think I would be interested in him as a potential flyer back in starter type a veteran relief uh veteran starter but my expectation levels for him i think would be lower than mike clevenger i think there's a little bit more built-in risk for johnny cueto and also I, I don't love the idea of going after older pitchers like i like johnny cueto he's had a great career he used to be one of my favorite pitchers when he was in his prime but uh, i i don't know how much longer he has left in the tank so if it's for like a one-year deal i think i'd be interested but if you're going beyond that I'm probably out, and it has to be a cheap flyer, too. So this one really depends on how much, how long. But yes to Johnny Cueto, if we could bring him in, because really it's like, for most of these starters, I'm like, okay, if we trade Madison Bumgarner, then would I replace Madison Bumgarner with this guy? The answer is almost always a resounding yes, because I'm willing to replace Madison Bumgarner with anyone. So Johnny Cueto, I think there's more risk than most of these starting pitchers, but I think he's still someone that I would be interested in bringing in. Now, I got two more pitchers that I want to discuss with y'all before we get into the little Christian Walker review. But if you want to bet on which players the D-backs might go after this offseason, you need to head to betonline.net because it's your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast and let's discuss two more pitchers that I have for y'all that the D-backs should consider going after. And this next one is a guy who we just saw with the D-backs this past season, Zach Davies, who on his end declined the option. Excuse me, Arizona kid. And Davies, I think, had a pretty, uh, a pretty solid season with the D-backs. Like, he was coming off that 2021 season with the Cubs with a 5-7-8 year array. Didn't look the best. My expectation levels for him were pretty low. He had a 1.6 whip last year. Like, Davies was not a good pitcher in 2021. But I think in 2022, he was more than serviceable. I thought he was like a solid, like if he was your number four starter in a rotation, number five starter, I think he felt pretty good. And for Davies, I, I would love him in that role again with the D-backs. Now, am I paying Davies over $10 million? No, but... A one to two year deal around three million to five million dollars. I'd be interested. I think with Brent Strom, he looked pretty good. I don't love how Zach Davies is a ground ball, singer ball pitcher. I do like my pitchers to have some heat, some velo when they throw a pitch. Like Davies is not even like a fastball kind of guy, but he was able to make it work all year. And I was quietly impressed with what Zach Davies was able to do because, again, of my expectation levels for him this past year, a uh, higher than 40% ground ball rate. Um, his hard contact stats were better than like a Mike Clevenger or Johnny Cueto. So even though he doesn't throw hard, 
It's not like he's getting uh, no one's teeing off of Zach Davies. I think he has pretty good placement where he where he puts the ball. His BABIP this past year two fifty eight. So I think everything we saw with Davies was legit. I think he really did pitch to a four oh four ERA. And before the twenty twenty one season, Davies had a two seven three ERA in twenty twenty, a three point five ERA in twenty nineteen, and it was below a four in 2017, 2016, 2015. So this is a guy who, for majority of his career, has pitched near a four or below four ERA. So if he's like your back-end rotation starter, I think that's solid. I think he's a great regular season guy, can eat up some innings. Maybe he's not a guy who starts in the postseason, but to definitely get through 162 games, he's a guy that could win you 12 12 games and just give you solid starts every every time out there and just be competitive because I think that's what he really did this past season. He just battled in every start. Um and I I think he was I think he was a warrior of a pitcher this past season for the D-backs. So if the D-backs wanted to bring him back, I would not be opposed to that at all. And then the last pitcher I want to talk about that maybe the D-backs should go after is a Zach Eflin, who is basically the same type of pitcher as a Zach Davies in terms of production at least, but I mean, even his arsenal, like he's also a single ball heavy pitcher, but he throws a hard single ball, averages around 93 miles per hour on the single ball. Also has a fastball that averages 93 miles per hour, loves his curveball too. He's someone that I would wonder what would look like with a Brent Strong because I think he has the same kind of profile as a Zach Davies, but he's never had like any, he's never had like a season as good as the best season by Zach Davies. So he's probably like a middleman Zach Davies. They're around the same age. They kind of do the same thing with their pitching arsenal. They kind of put up the same production as well. So Zach Eflin, if I'm on, if I'm in on Zach Davies, I think I have to be in on Eflin as well. So I would be in on both of those guys for a cheap one-year deal, maybe a two-year deal, just as the back end, you know, second half of your rotation kind of a starter, eat innings for you in the regular season, and not take away too many opportunities away from the young starters. But most of these guys, I think I'm more comfortable with fitting in my rotation if Madison Bumgarner's not there anymore. Because if we still got Mad Bum in the rotation, then it's like, I don't want to go after an Eflin as well, or Johnny Cueto, and then all of a sudden, I got two old pitchers in my rotation, and only one spot for Ryan Nelson or a Dre Jameson. I need both of those guys in my rotation next year. And if I'm going to put a veteran in, it can't be Madison Bumgarner. It has to be one of these free agent pitchers because Madison Bumgarner, I think we all know, is cooked at this point. Now that we talked about those free agent pitchers, because I love, I love free agency, y'all. The offseason, just talking about storylines and narratives, like I think that's honestly as much fun as actually talking about what's going on on the field, the actual games. Like I'm I'm as into the off the field drama as I'm into the on the field drama. So that's always a good time for me. The off season, fun time, fun time for Miller Thomas. But now let's talk about Christian Walker, the good, the bad, and how he can improve and the best case and worst case scenario in 2023. Because for Christian Walker, he had himself a fantastic season and maybe he should have been the D-backs all-star representative. Now, you it's easy to say that at the end of the year, but really... His second half was really good. The first half was solid. More power in the first half. But I think the second half is really when that bat started to come around. Really make great contact. Get on base a lot more. Strike out less. So for Christian Walker, after having a really down season last year. Just a a season that we didn't expect. Because Christian Walker has always been a guy with power and pop. And the hard hard contact stats always loved him. But look at his stats from 2021 in 115 games. 10 home runs for Christian Walker. Like... He had 444 plate appearances, 401 at-bats, and half those at-bats 
Jordan Luplo had 11 home runs this past season. Like, think about that. There was a point in 2021 where Christian Walker was a worse power hitter than the 2022 version of Jordan Luplo. I can't even wrap my head around that. But this past season, Christian Walker came storming back and he looked like a man on a mission and he looked like a dude that should have made the all-star team for the D-backs if they had all-star voting at the end of the season instead of the beginning of the season because Christian Walker powered back in a major way I mean 36 home runs for Christian Walker previous high was only 29 so absolutely crushed that 2019 mark and we were you know playing a little game on this podcast like can Christian Walker get to 40 home runs like I thought it was possible. Like my one of my predictions, I think the final month of the season was Dalton Varsho and and Christian Walker were going to finish with a combined seventy home runs, and they got dangerously close. Varsho like twenty seven, Christian Walker had like thirty six. So they were dangerously close. And what I think I like even more than the power, like the raw over the fence power, is the hard contact stats for Christian Walker because he was always one of the league leaders in hard contact stats. And going off. Baseball references, hard contact stats, like he came back in a major way this past season, like 90 mile an hour exit below, over 44% um, hard hit percentage, a double digit barrel percentage. Like this dude was back in a major way in the power department. And that was so nice to see. Also struck out less this past season and walked more like a strikeout rate below 20% for the first time in his career with a double digit walk rate for only the second time. Since 2017, only the second time in an Arizona uniform has he had a double-digit walk percentage. So this guy was just doing it uh, doing it big at the plate. I don't know what I want to say there, but he's been doing it big at the plate. Career-high contact percentage. So the power's back, making hard contact, just making good contact overall with that career-high contact percentage. And defensively, fantastic this season. By far the best defensive first baseman. Just literally go on fan graphs. Filtered by any defensive first baseman stat, I can almost guarantee you Christian Walker would be at the top of that list. Very clutch in high leverage moments. Runners in scoring position, we'll talk about that later, but at least in high leverage moments. 800 plus OPS in those moments. Absolutely crushed the fastball once again this past season. A big reason that it led to so much over the fence and just power production for him. And just was so good at chasing, at not chasing pitches this year. Like in the past, we've seen Christian Walker kind of get into a little strikeout happy mode, but not this past season. He was really patient at the plate, really picked and chose when he wanted to swing the bat, took pitches and was not chasing. So I think that was a great job by the coaching staff to work with him on that. And if you look at his splits, like we know, we know Tori Lavello loves the cross matchups, loves the platoon advantage. And for Christian Walker, he had like a 790 OPS against righties and like above 800 OPS against lefties. So good splits against righties and lefties. So for Christian Walker, had himself a fantastic season, was in the running for a whole bunch of awards, won the gold glove, in the running, I'm pretty sure, for like the Silver Slugger Award. He's nominated for the All-MLB team. Like this guy is not going to win a lot of those awards, but at least he's getting recognition and getting nominations for the fantastic season that he had. So Christian Walker, I love what you did this past season. Now, we have to talk about what went wrong for Christian Walker in 2022. And it wasn't a ton, but there was some bad from Christian Walker this past season. Because Christian Walker, uh, 
I would like his, I would like to get his average up at least a little bit at 240 average this past season and his batting average on balls in play 248 so it's right there aligned with each other and considering how well he made contact like the quality of contact the hard contact all that was really good so I want to see that average go up I feel like Christian Walker just probably hitting line drives and nukes right to third baseman and left fielder so <laughs> Christian Walker could find the alley a little bit more I like to see that average go up. Also, just not very good with runners in scoring position this year. Like, he had around a 220 average and a 730 OPS with runners in scoring position. Like, Christian Walker batted fourth, like, primarily this whole past season. Like, he basically was never moving up and down the lineup. He was a cleanup hitter, like, every day, and he deserved to be. But runners in scoring position was, like, quietly not his strength. Like, if you look at a lot of Christian Walker's home runs, they, a lot of them came via, like, the solo home run um, when no one was on bases. If Christian Walker can get more home runs with people are on bases, like he had 94 RBIs this year. And when you think about all the solo shots he had, like Christian Walker could have had like 115 RBIs this past season if he wanted to. And I think 94 RBIs is still pretty impressive. So if he can improve with runners in scoring position, those RBI numbers are going to go way up with the offensive talent that's now surrounding a Christian Walker. You guys know I love to look at my inning groups on baseball reference when you look at splits because baseball reference like to look at like to split it up by innings one through three, four through six, and then seven through nine. And as a game gets deeper and later, Christian Walker gets a little bit worse. His worst inning group was those innings seven through nine, which is interesting. I don't know exactly what that means. Is that why he's not super clutch? Because I don't think, even though he was good in high leverage moments, I don't think he was super clutch. Didn't come through with runners in scoring position. And then late in the game, inning seven through nine, only a 702 OPS for Christian Walker above 800 innings one through six so that is something to watch out for i don't know if you can fix that if you can fit fix clutchness but if he can improve then if he can improve in that area that would help out a ton really struggles in that third plate appearance against a starter as well so i think that kind of falls in line with him getting worse as we get deeper into the ball game and also you could take advantage of christian walker with the breaking pitch crush the fastball but a breaking pitch his slugging goes a little bit down, or at least his expected slugging was, because he still had a decent slugging against the breaking pitch, but the expected slugging did not fare too well for Christian Walker in that department. So really for Walker, like the only downside was he didn't hit like for a high average and he wasn't super clutch or runners in scoring position or later in games, but I still think he had a pretty fantastic season overall. So looking ahead to 2023, looking ahead to next season, I mean, what would be the best case scenario for a Christian Walker? What would we want from a Christian Walker? Well, like I just talked about, we saw back in 2019, he he had a 271 average. If Christian Walker can repeat what he did this past season, give me 90% what he did this past season, and give me like a 271 average, I would take that big time. I think that would make him an easy all-star. And it wouldn't make him the best first baseman because first base is pretty loaded in the National League with Freddie Freeman and Paul Goldschmidt. But... And also Pete Alonso, but I think he could be in the mix for a top five first baseman in the National League. I would be very happy with that. Like, if what we saw this past season was the ceiling of Christian Walker, and if he could give me, I could get like two to three more years of this production of Christian Walker, maybe four more years, because not like Christian Walker is terribly old. He's going to be turning 32. So if I could get the same level of production until he's like 35, 36, I'd be pretty happy because it's not like he has a ton of wear and tear on his body. Like, he basically didn't start starting major league games and didn't start getting opportunities until 2019 when he was already 28 years old so like 
retroactively, this is kind this is kind of like Christian Walker's fifth year as a big league starter. So I think he's pretty fresh. So I wouldn't be surprised if he could repeat the season he just had a couple more times. So if he could do that, get a little bit better with runners in scoring position, lead, uh, you know, bring home some more guys in those RBI in those RBI situations, hit those home runs with runners on base. Like I think the the ceiling for Christian Walker, I think it could be even higher from a production standpoint. Like I don't think when you watch him, it'll look too much different, but I think his production could be even greater. Will he hit more home runs? I don't know, maybe, but just from that RBI average standpoint, I think there's still more from a Christian Walker than what we've seen. And if he can still keep it up defensively, what we saw this past year, that would just make him um, like he already is an all-around talent. But how about the worst-case scenario for Christian Walker? I I think the worst-case scenario for Christian Walker is what we saw in 2021 and some of that was because of injury and the oblique but I mean even though I said he's fresh and he hasn't actually had like a ton of wear and tear on his body like if you think 32 is old for an athlete then that's your opinion maybe you think Christian Walker the 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 end is closer than what we expect I think at least for 2023 the worst case scenario is he just is not as good as what he did this past season maybe that average comes down maybe he's more of a two you know, maybe, I mean, 240 is still probably where he's going to be, but maybe that OPS is more around 780. I think he still has hard contact. Maybe the power comes down. I think it just, you look at his stats overall and you say 2022 was the ceiling Christian Walker, and maybe he just gives you 25 home runs, a 240 average, and a 750 OPS. Maybe he's not the guy we just saw this past season. I think that's probably the worst case scenario. Like, I don't really see a scenario where Christian Walker just falls off the map completely and just can't hit no more, can't hit for power anymore because I just think the way he swings, the way his mechanics are, his technique, like I think Christian Walker is always going to be a pretty big home run producer and just a guy that's just going to crush the ball, even if he's not hitting home runs. Like if you look at the 2020 season, he only had seven home runs in 57 games, which is not like a ton. Again, 218 at-bats, seven home runs. Jordan Luplo had more home runs than that and 200 at-bats. But I think for Christian Walker... I don't see a scenario where he doesn't at least have a bunch of doubles. Even if the home runs come down, I still think he would be a doubles machine at that point. So for Christian Walker, I think the worst case scenario is his overall production goes down, but he's still a great defensive first baseman. Maybe this year, maybe it is his ceiling, but even if that, even if this is his ceiling, I think Christian Walker can at least get pretty close to repeating what he did this past season. Maybe it's 25 home runs. Maybe it's like 75 RBIs and like a 780 OPS. But I still think that's like the worst case scenario for Christian.